0: Hi, and welcome to the St. Saviour's Finsbury Park podcast. Our vision is to be a church alive in God's love to serve the city. And we hope this teaching helps you to know God and serve Him more wherever you've been uniquely placed. Let's jump in. We're beginning a new series today called Depth in a Time of Growth. There are exegetical sermons, that's sermons where we might open a book of the Bible and just run through it and ask God uh, to just speak to us through the book. And there are thematic sermons, this is semi-thematic, but thematic sermons we might ask God to speak to us on a certain theme. Um, But then there are sermons which are sometimes more pastoral in nature. In other words, we want to name the season we're passing through or the moment that we're in. And we want to speak into that moment words of love, encouragement, affirmation, and truth. And I would say this series for the next five weeks, Depth and a Time of Growth, is a kind of semi-thematic, semi-pastoral series. We're looking at the theme of what it means to put down deep roots even as we grow as a community and as individuals. Um, but we're also asking the Lord just to speak words of encouragement and hope to us in this moment. Um, so we're excited about it and uh, hopefully uh, you will be too. Uh, when I finished Um, we'll see (laughs) Uh, don't judge me Um, growth is a necessary part of faith in the Christian tradition Uh, if you read the Bible page to page you'll find uh, countless pictures of growth you might take Psalm 1 The, the righteous person or the person who connects into the life of Jesus Christ is like a tree it's a picture we're given planted beside living waters it says that yields its fruit in season and its foliage never fades if you skip ahead to Isaiah, Isaiah's trying to describe what it looks like to live in the light of God's covenant grace and his love. And he says, I want you to picture a desert place that, that is seemingly lifeless. And then overnight, the rains come, a monsoon happens, and in a matter of hours, maybe days, the whole of that lifeless desert becomes an oasis of abundant fruitful life that Isaiah says is a picture of life in the kingdom of God Jesus says if you have faith as small as a mustard seed uh, then you will see it multiply and grow many many times he says the kingdom of God's like that it's like a mustard seed and we are described as the church in the new testament as a body in other words as a living person That's one of the metaphors that Paul uses to describe the church. and um, I'm not going to try and go through Mrs. Gren, the biology GCSE test. I'm sure there are many of you in the room who would love to just come up here and name it. I can't, but I know there are seven, or is it eight or nine conditions for life? I should have checked this before I came up. Movement. Respiration. Excretion. Let's move on from that one quick. (laughs) Nutrition reproduction, and so on, Abs- round of applause. That was amazing, thank you so much. Um, and the point being, if you're alive, you grow. Uh, and, uh, and if you're alive, you grow. The church is a living body, and we are expected to grow and to do all we can to live in light of that. So I've just got two things I wanna say this morning. I think they're in line with the Bible, you can test it. Uh, here's what we wanna do and lay hold of as a community if we are going to take seriously the potentiality of our faith to grow us in every single conceivable way uh, in uh, the life of Jesus Christ. Number one is to remember. We want to be a community that just regularly remembers uh, who we are. And we the, the number two I'm going to come on to later is to remain and resist. That's one, I've hyphenated it. Remain, resist, it's probably deeply confusing. Two things, the second one was a hyphenated or compound word. We'll get onto that later. Remember and resist. Remain resist. So let's start with remember. Um, Be an elephant, not a goldfish. That's a lame analogy. I was expecting a laugh, but everyone's like what he's talking about. I think elephants have good memories. I think goldfish don't, although I did hear that a university team had discovered that goldfish are apparently much more intelligent than we initially thought. But we're going to go with old prejudice version of goldfish, rather than new recognition one. Um, In other words, we want to be people who are like elephants we remember. We we are not forgetful uh, creatures. Here's what I'm like at home. I lose, blame, repent. That is a regular pattern in my life. I lose things. I blame every single other person in the family, and then I realise that it was my fault. It's by my bed. It's on my desk, and I repent. I ask for forgiveness. Um, in Ephesus, uh, the Lord in, in in Revelation, the book of Revelation, uh, the Lord speaks to a church in Ephesus, and he says, um, "You have you're doing really really well, but here's one thing that I'd love to encourage you to do. You need to remember your first love. You've forgotten." what it was like when you fell in love with Jesus Christ. And I'd love for you, even though you're doing loads of good stuff, if you've forgotten what it's like to connect to, adore, worship, glorify, and love Jesus Christ, actually that's a fundamental problem. And you need to work hard to recover that. Um, I feel like sometimes the Lord, this is me being a preacher rather than necessarily deeply biblical, but the Lord is a little bit like Jerry Maguire uh, speaking to Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character in the film Jerry Maguire, which you may or may not remember from the 90s. Uh, But let me read you the um, dialogue between them when Cuba Gooding Jr., who's a superstar sports athlete, but isn't punching at his weight. He's, He's failing. And Jerry Maguire is his sports agent and he's getting frustrated with him. And Jerry Maguire says... This, Um, I'm not gonna do the American accent. Let's bury the attitude a bit and show them the true joy of the game. I'm saying to get back to the person who first started playing this game. Remember, way back when you were a kid, it wasn't just about the money, was it? Was it? Was it? Response, do your job. Don't tell me to dance. I'm an athlete. I'm not an entertainer. I don't dance and I don't start pre-season without a contract. Jerry fine, 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 kicks the wall of the uh, changing room. Cuba Gooding, whose name I can't remember, is the character. He says, Jerry, breathe, breathe, Jerry. Jerry says, and he starts losing it. He says, I am out here for you. You you don't know what it's like. Imagine this is the Lord to us. It's not, but imagine, because it's quite fun to do that. Imagine Cuba Gooding's character is you and me and imagine the Lord is Jerry Maguire you don't know what it's like to be out here for you it is an upper dawn pride swallowing siege that I will never fully tell you about okay (laughs) just help me and he gets down on his knees at this point help me help you help me help you help me help you I'm going to stop doing that now because everyone's looking a bit awkward um Cuba Gooding laughs and he says to Jerry you are hanging on by a very thin thread and I dig that about you that's my man um Jerry says I'm happy to entertain you I'll see you on Sunday and then he says Jerry Jerry don't walk away see that's the difference between us you think we're fighting and I think we're finally getting along so there you go that's the next extract from Jerry Maguire thank you Thank you. It is a tenuous link, as all my anecdotes are, but I do feel like when we're encouraged to be a community that knows what it means to put down roots, to grow, to live in the light of the resurrection, I can imagine the Lord over and over again, and you see it in the pages of the Bible saying, please let me help you. Please listen to me. When I put before you life or death, it would be wonderful if just once or twice in your life you chose life, and that is the life of Jesus Christ instead of going down the odd path. So, number one, remember... The way into the life of the Christian faith is the way on, and it's all about Jesus Christ. The way into the life of the Christian faith, let's remember that, is the way on in the Christian faith. We never graduate as Christians. You can't meet someone who's been a Christian 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and automatically think, oh, they're way down the line to me. Jesus said the last will be first and the first will be last. It's possible for you to have a full experience of Jesus Christ on day one of your discipleship and go for the rest of your life relearning what it means to fall in love with him over and over again. So let's remember that. Here are three things really quickly that we might want to remember every day, all day, all the time in our lives. Number one, Christmas. Number two, the cross. And number three, because I like three C's, core, which I'll get to in a minute. Number one, Christmas. John 1. At Christmas, the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. We just celebrated. In other words, here are two things that we might remember in our lives daily. Number one, God does it, we don't. At Christmas, God came to us because we couldn't get to him. He crossed the great divide. And number two, God at Christmas has punched a hole through the concrete slab which previously separated the immortal, perfect, heavenly realm of God and the immortal, imperfect, broken world of earth. In Jesus Christ, we have a great savior. And he's done something that we couldn't do for ourselves. And it's worth remembering that every single day, being an elephant about it, not a goldfish, and forgetting the fundamentals of what it means to worship the living Lord Jesus Christ. God has done it in him. You don't need to do anything. He's done it for you. And number two, he's united heaven and earth in himself. That is extraordinary. Number two, the cross. Let's remember Easter, Philippians 2. Jesus humbled himself and was obedient even to the point of death on a cross Therefore God raised him to the heights and bestowed on him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth, and in the depths of the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We began the sermon, thought, pastoral revelation, with the picture of the tree, Psalm 1, that the righteous, those who know Jesus Christ, those who are in, living in light of his glory and his beauty are like trees planted beside water channels. But let's just remember that Jesus died on a dead tree. Okay. The reason we can experience what it means to live lives as trees that are planted beside water channels that yield their fruit in season and whose foliage never fades, the reason that you and I get to live in the light of that incredibly abundant, fruitful reality is because it was denied Jesus Christ at the cross. He died on a dead tree so that you could live as a living tree. And it's worth us remembering that every day, all day, all the time. At Christmas, God has done it. He's made a way, a path between heaven and earth. And at the cross, we remember that it cost him everything, even death as a slave on the point of a dead tree, so that you and I could live in the light of the tree of life. We can be trees of righteousness. Amen. And how good is that? Number three, the core. Jesus is the root, you and I are the shoots. I like that. John 15, no branch can bear fruit by itself, but only if it remains united with the vine. No more can you bear fruit unless you remain united with me. That's Jesus who's saying this word. He says, dwell in me as I dwell in you. It's not enough just to say we're going to be Christians who look at the things Jesus did and then try to do them in our own strength for ourselves. That's not the Christian way. That's self-help. Uh, it's not grace. Jesus says one step further, I don't just want you to look at the way I live my life and try to be really good like me. That's never going to happen. Remember, he came from heaven. You and I can't get there on our own. But Jesus said something extraordinary happens when you become a Christian, which is that my living spirit, called the Holy Spirit, comes into your heart so that I live in you and you now live in me. And it's in that place of abiding, dwelling, remaining and resting that growth happens in the kingdom of God. In 1 Corinthians 3, St. Paul says, I planted the seed, he's talking about the seed of the gospel, one of my friends called Apollos watered it, talking a metaphor I don't think he literally got a watering can out and watered the gospel but he encouraged people to live in the light of the gospel that it was true that this thing they'd laid hold of this living Lord Jesus Christ was real for them but here's the key point he said but God made it grow how often do we forget that how often are we like goldfish that we receive the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we experience his revelation, his love in our hearts, that we live in the light of the resurrection and then off we go and try and do it in our own strength and we we worry and we're confused as to why there isn't any growth in our lives, in our own lives, in our relationships and in the the world around us. When you're a Christian, Jesus lives in you by his spirit and you live in him. And out of that place of dwelling, indwelling and resting, you will experience incredible life. In Mark chapter four, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a person who scatters seed on the ground and then goes to sleep. And if you've been here for a while, you'll hear me riffing again because I absolutely love this and I think it's at the core. He says the kingdom of God is like this. You scatter the seed of the gospel. As you talk about Jesus, you love Jesus. every opportunity to draw people to Jesus. Alpha starting on January 23rd, just to plug that, if you wanna highlight that. Daudry? bit low. Sorry, I'll carry on. But you scatter the seed of the gospel, and they go to sleep. And in the morning, Jesus said, the garden has grown how you will not know. And I want to encourage us to be a community that does that. That as we scatter the seed of the gospel, we recognize it's not our job to grow the seed. That's God's job, and he does it really, really well. But he loves a community that that love him enough to tell people about Jesus, to bring them to Alpha Courses, to um, talk about him in the workplace, uh, whatever it might be, but to trust that when you go to bed at night, there's no worry because God will water that seed. So, number one point, remember Christmas, cross, and the core. And that's the general point. Let's get really, really good at saying sorry, uh, please, and thank you. Lord, I'm sorry that I forget all the time and I get myself into a pickle. Please forgive me. Please will you help me by your Holy Spirit to live again in the light of your grace, to receive again your abundance and your goodness. Thank you that you've done it so that I never had to. Let's get really, really good as a community at saying that every day, all day. I need to say that all day, every day. It's not just once a day. It's many times a day. Let's get good at it. Here's the specific thing. Since Savior's 2023, what does it mean to put down roots, to have depth in a time of growth? And here's the good news, and I can't tell you how excited I am about it. I am, it's amazing that we are growing as a church. That is just evident. And if you've been here for any length of time, you'll notice that too. It's phenomenal. We're growing on Sundays. When we started with about 40 people three years ago, we're now regularly, uh, attendance is around 150 if you include adults, kids, uh, and people online, which is a phenomenal thing. And we need to celebrate that. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. How good is that? In our kids, we started with no kids. We now have regularly 30 kids on average on a Sunday with about 40, and it's going up uh, quickly, um, kids on the books. So that's incredible. The buildings, the work around the buildings, I'm not going to go rabbit on about that, but it's an amazing story. Ask anyone at St. Savers about what's happened with the roofs and the garden and the barn and the vicarage. It's all sorts of uh, good growth that is happening. But it doesn't take a rocket scientist to recognize that as you grow, you need to put down deeper roots. Not good enough for the tree that had roots as a sapling to rely on those saplings' roots as it grows into a fully-fledged tree. And our challenge as a community and our encouragement is to um, take seriously uh, the good challenges and the good, if you like, obstacles that appear as you grow. You know, naming a few. Space is an issue. Where do we put the kids on a Sunday? Um, if you ever spent time over at the vicarage, um, it's extraordinary what the kids team do with our kids every single Sunday with limited space and limited resources. If you stood in a room with 25 kids who are energetic, hungry, thirsty, I mean, we do feed them and they do get water, but every now and again, and and you've got an hour on the clock to keep them entertained and to teach them some Bible and to split them into groups, then you'll know that what they do is extraordinary. But we would love to unlock some of the potential of this site. That's just one Another one might be that as you grow, when you were 20, 30, 40 people, everyone knew each other and it was absolutely fine. Now 150, that becomes more of a challenge. Loneliness, isolation, disconnection becomes an issue. We want to be a church that takes seriously the command of Jesus in the New Testament, or Paul, no, Paul, who says, bear with each other's burdens and in so doing fulfill the law of Jesus Christ. We never want to grow in quantity um, but ignore the depth, the quality of the community that we're doing in Jesus Christ. We want to be a community that walks close with each other, knows each other's burdens, and bears each other's burdens. But here's just where I want to um, uh, land on this specifically. As we grow as a community, but also as you grow as an individual, connected to this community, you will be, sorry to break this to you, led into unfamiliar territory. That The Christian life is not a life of retreat back to old familiar patterns where you can control your life, you can curate your life, and you can understand exactly what's going on. That's in the Bible called Egypt. And Israelite, the Israelites were saved from Egypt into the promised land. I think sometimes we can think the promised land with this beautiful place. The promised land was hostile and full of very aggressive tribes. And they went through some really tough times. Sometimes they were thirsty, sometimes they were starving. They were often scared. And yet that was the place that God chose to outwork his covenant grace to reveal who he was to his people, which is the gift of his grace to us in Jesus Christ. When you advance in the life of the kingdom, when you grow in the life of the spirit, when you discover more and more of the beauty of Jesus Christ, it will lead you into places which have question marks over them. Waiting rooms, uncertainty, unpredictability, and that naturally increases anxiety, fear, because we are not creatures that are comfortable, especially in the modern West, without a Google calendar and without a clear time schedule and a plan with deliverables and outcomes. That's not the life of faith. It never will be and it never should be. The question is, you at that point have a choice of to go one in two directions, and the temptation is to go back to Egypt. That's one option, that's option one, and it won't take you long to realize that's a Incorrect answer, but it's very very natural and all of us do that from time to time Okay, we want to retreat. We want to go back to the way it was when we understood everything that was going on the place of control and understanding and familiarity But the second option is to develop a posture of curiosity, openness, courage to simply stand In that landscape of uncertainty, surrounded by hostile tribes, not literally metaphorically, it could literally be an email in your inbox from a client that you're pretty scared of. That can be a hostile tribe equivalent of standing there and refusing to run away. And instead of saying, I need to fix this right now in my own strength, forgetting that at Christmas God revealed that he does it, we don't. We start asking questions like this, Lord, what is it that you're up to? What do you want me to learn? How, what posture do you want me to develop in this place? What heart strength do you want me to exercise? What faith muscle do you want me to develop in this place? Jesus says this in the New Testament in, in Matthew chapter 6. He says, don't worry. Don't be anxious. But seek first the kingdom of God. The Greek word for worry, merimnate, has at its root a grasping hold of control. In other words, Jesus is saying it's completely legitimate for you to feel anxious, but don't grasp, don't seek to lay hold in your own strength of the solutions to the place that you find yourself in. Incredibly tempting, though, it is to do that. Instead, but, seek first the kingdom of God. The Greek word for seek, zeteo, has in its etymological roots The idea of looking, longing, scanning the horizon, waiting. That's literally built into the meaning of the word. In other words, don't be anxious and reach for control. Seek first the kingdom. Exercise faith. Scan the horizon. Pray. Ask for God's help. Ask for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to comfort, to guide, to cast the light and wait for the Lord to deliver you in his strength. There's a fundamental difference between those two postures. We wanna be a church that adopts the second more and more and more and encourages that and rejects the first but has a lot of grace for it. I'll be the first in the room to wanna run back to Egypt. I'm just laying that out for you. I am an absolute coward, a total wimp. When things get a bit messy, I wanna control it and I wanna understand it and I'm running. So I'm not preaching at you from a great moral height, drinking Red Bull with the angels and sort of considering you all down there, just giving you pearls. I'm saying I'm in this with you and you will need to help me to steel myself, uh, to hold my nerve and to exercise faith instead of fear. One has control, the other is a posture of curiosity. Lord, what is it you're doing? Over here we have striving in my own strength to fix the problem. Over here we have abiding, remaining, resting in the root, the vine, Jesus Christ, and expecting growth from that place. Over here things go by plan. Over here by definition they don't go to plan. Over here you have a sphere of predictability or safety. Over here you have adventure. Over here, what can I understand or imagine? Over here, we have the immeasurably more of the kingdom of God. By definition, something that I can't grasp hold of or convey because it's the Lord's sphere and he's inviting you into it. Over here, how can I fix this? Let's get to our action stations. Let's work really, really hard. Over here, we have, um, Lord, what are you up to? I've already said that. Over here, self-sufficiency. Over here, faith. Here's the point. This is a diminished life in the context of Christian theology. The world will tell you the opposite. But if you're a Christian and you read the Bible, God's wisdom is you will shrink and live a diminished life if you opt all the time to run back to Egypt. If you want to live an expansive, enlarged life, we have to get used to having question marks put over fundamental things to do with life. Where am I gonna be next year? What am I going to be doing? How's this problem going to be fixed? God, that's scary at the moment. I'd love to fix that. We need to get good at inviting God by his spirit into those places that he might take us by the hand and help us walk through through them. Eugene Peterson, the now late but great American pastor, wrote this, the secularized mind, in other words, the mind that doesn't have any room or space for God, the secularized mind is terrorized by mysteries, And therefore, it makes lists, it labels people, assigns roles, solves problems, but a solved life is a reduced life. These tightly bound up people never take great faith risks. They deny or ignore mysteries and diminish human existence to what can be managed, controlled or fixed. Lord, would you save us from becoming that kind of community? Amen? Can I invite us to stand? I'd love just to pray that in um, as we as we carry on our service and maybe have an opportunity to minister. Let me just pray uh, as we start. It's this amazing bit in a letter to the Corinthians by the Apostle Paul. He's talking about the Macedonian church. Uh, but he's using it to encourage the Corinthians. He says this, I really want to tell you, my friends, he's writing them a letter, and he might be writing to us, St. Saviours. I really want to tell you about the grace that God has given to the churches in Macedonia. It's like God has peeled back the corner of heaven and said, you see see my Macedonian church, tell the rest of my church about what's happening there. Tell them what my people are doing. He says the troubles they have been through in Macedonia have tried them hard. In other words, they've had a tough time of it. Yet, in all this, they have been so exuberantly happy that from the depths of their poverty, they have shown themselves lavishly open handed. How amazing is that! Imagine if God wrote a letter or Paul wrote a letter to another church saying, I want to tell you about the community in Finsbury Park. They have had it tough lately. They've had so many challenges. Life is not easy, but they are so exuberantly happy. They've laid hold of my grace in such a way as to enable them to grow in line with my spirit for the glory of the name of my son, Jesus Christ, and the extension of his kingdom. I love this little summary of the gospel as well. we have now got it in the New Testament. Paul says this, because you know the generosity of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. So Father, we thank you for Jesus we can come up with all the vision in the world. We can run from here to Timbuktu doing good works. But if we have not Jesus, we do not want to move on from this place. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Set our hearts on fire, with love for his name. And make us to get really, really good at remembering that we're forgetful. and actively, intentionally living in the truth that Jesus has come in the human flesh. He died the death of a slave on a cross that you and I should have died, and he's been raised to glory and punched a hole through death itself into heaven. Fill us with your spirit. We do not want to just grow for the sake of growth. We do want to grow, and we thank you for it, but not for the sake of it. As we grow in numbers, resources, talents, which you make us to put down deep, deep roots, it's the life of your son. We pray this in your name.